We're going to be, if you brought your Bibles, kids, and also everybody else, we're going to be in Romans chapter 15, verse 13. That's our text for today. So I ask you to open that up. If you don't have one, um, we're going to put it on the screen. So that works out just as well. I think everybody can resonate with this. Um, The right word at the right time can be very powerful in your life. Um, Just think maybe about somebody that has given you that right word at the right time. Um, There's a lot of examples in the Bible. The one that comes to mind in the Bible is maybe when Peter, who had denied Christ three times, just like he promised he wouldn't, um, Jesus finds him later on as Peter has gone to fishing again. And when Jesus calls him forward, it's a lot of what Jesus doesn't say. He doesn't say, you know what, I told you. I told you you were going to do this and you didn't believe me. It's like, let's eat. Feed my sheep. I just imagine that those words, feed my sheep. Do you love me, Peter? His, his, his opportunity to, to tell Jesus, yes, I do love you. Those words probably set the course of Peter's life. So think about that. Maybe it was a parent that gave you an encouraging word. Um, maybe it was a boss. I know my dad was kind of an encourager when I was a kid. But man, when I got older and I had a family of my own, <laughs> and life got really hard, and I just remember him one day, he's like, yeah, you got this. Like, you're doing, you're doing it right. Because nothing feels right when you're older. And it feels like every decision you make just compounds um, bad things. And so having him speak into my life is really important. We're going to go through a benediction today. That's our sermon. You know, you know what a benediction is, right? It, it's, it's Latin for bene, good, diction, words. So it's a blessing. It's a good word. We normally end our service with these words. In fact, we do every single Sunday. A lot of times we do the ironic benediction, like, may the Lord bless you and keep you. We're going to do one out of Romans today for a couple of reasons. One, because it's the end of the year. We're going to close our year with a benediction. And we want you and everybody to understand what does it mean that God speaks these words over us as we close that service. And, and it's really meant to be a blessing to you. This is God's blessing. He speaks a blessing on us and over us and covers us in his word as we go out together. It's meant to encourage the church. It's meant to unify us together and send us out as his people together um, as we scatter. So we're going to go through that, just Romans 15, 13 today. And I hope, my prayer is for all of us, that this will be the right word that you need to hear. As you, as you close out your year and we understand um, how God's word covers you today, that it will be that word that you need to hear from your heavenly Father. So let me pray for us and we're going to jump right into the text. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much um, that you give us your word. Thank you that it's living and that it's active and that we can trust it and that your word isn't just to be read by us, but your word as we open our lives to you reads us, teaches us, discerns us, and builds us into your people. So we give you this day, we ask your blessing on it. We ask that you would open up this word for us to your glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. Romans fifteen thirteen. it's an easy one. Uh, may the God of hope, you've heard this before, fill you with all joy and peace in believing 
so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Now, we usually run through that. It's the end of a service. We don't think much about it. But what does that mean? What does that mean for us? What is, why is it there? It's at the very end, not the very end, but towards the end of the book of Romans, and then kind of an epilogue comes. But essentially, the text is telling us to overdo it in a way. We should overhope. We should hope so much in the promises of God, it almost seems irrational. Overhope, overbelieve, and then overflow. Let that overflow out of our life. So let's walk through this together. What does it mean for us to overhope? Overhope, overbelieve, and overflow. Well, why is it here in the first place? Always good to know. Um, the whole idea of Romans is that the gospel is power. It's power unto salvation for those that will believe, for everybody. And that meant something, especially to this Roman church. Um, there was a lot of ideas of how you could be right before God. For the Jews, it was like, we've, we're God's chosen people. Of course he loves us. Why would he not? Our rightness or our righteousness comes from the way that we adhere to his law. And for the Greeks or the rest of the people in the region, it was like, well, maybe God doesn't love us. Now that we understand who he is, maybe we should just fear him. Maybe, maybe there's no chance that he would ever love us. However, scripture tells us, no, the gospel is power. It's power. Um, it's power in this way because it's the work of God that gives us salvation. It's power. We receive it as a gift. So that's important to know. This is the essence of our hope. So what is hope? What is hope to you? We need to define that. If we're going to overhope, we need to know what it is. Um, in our culture, it's a wish. Like, I hope. I hope this lottery ticket pays my bills this month. Right? That, that's a hope. Or I hope my team wins today. So hope in our culture, the way we use it, it's really about the strength of my desire. If I hope enough, if I will it enough, I really want this to happen. That is not what it means in the Bible. In the Bible, it is 100% opposite. It is the conviction of the outcome. I know this is going to happen. That is what hope is. So it's confidence in the outcome. The gospel is power because I know what happened. Christ came, he lived, died, resurrected, ascended, poured the spirit out on the church, and he's going to return. So my hope is anchored not in what I wish would happen. My, anchor, my, my, my hope is anchored in what has happened for me through God's love and what is going to happen in Christ's return. So it's a different kind of hope. Um, and when we understand it, it gives us joy and peace. Um, let me show it this way. There's people that do not like to fly. Now, a lot of you have flown, right, around the holidays. There's some what we call white-knuckle flyers. You're grabbing the seat during takeoff. We know who you are. Um, and during landing, too, right, you start to, like, breathe heavy, and you're just, like, you're doing this. Um, flying is not fun for you. So you hope during the flight the plane makes it, right? You're, it's more of a wish for you. Let's just be honest. I really wish this airplane gets off the ground. I really hope we get to our destination. You're afraid of flying. You don't like to do it. Um, your hope is more on the wish side. Now, for those that love flying and have confidence in it, 
you're just, no, yeah, I'm here. My hope is I know that we're going to get to Chicago, so I'm in the plane. And you, what do you do? You can relax and you can enjoy the flight. You can have fun on it, right? It doesn't cause conflict in you. So it's, it's a different type of hope. And so the type of hope that we're called to is the hope that we know what God has done. We know where it's going. So listen to the way this text is. Listen to this text for a minute. We have to understand this. It says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Why doesn't it just say, May God fill you? Right? We have to understand the text. In con- May the God of hope. So the question is, Why is God the God of hope? He's willing. He loves you. He's able. He's powerful. He's present. He wants you. He's full of grace. We're just pulling this out of Romans. We could go all over the Bible, just out of Romans. He loves his enemies, Romans 5, 8. God loves us in that while we were still sinners, he died for us. This is why he's the God of the hope. He's the source, too. He gives this to us for asking, meaning this. He justifies you by faith. He makes you right before God by faith. You receive it. You trust him. That is why the text said he is the God of hope. So think of a few things that you've overdone this year. Now, we just came out of Christmas. Did you overspend? Maybe. Go to Financial Peace University. Starts in January, right? Did you, did you overeat? I did. There's a lot of things we might overdo. Overdo our time on social media. Are we over-anxious? Do we over-focus on self? There's a lot of ways to overdo it. This text is calling you to overdo this. Over-hope. May the God of all hope fill you. May you abound in hope. So over-hope. Secondly, over-believe. So if we're going to over-hope, we have to, we have to first over-believe. Um, it's interesting. Again, we're going to just pull right out of the text. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace in believing. So God fills you through faith. Now, let's be honest for a minute. As a Christian, we have a joy that can't be taken away, but we don't always feel it. It's not always emotionally present in your life. Sometimes you've got to fight for it. Sometimes it's elusive. But it's not because God is gone. But this text is, is, is instructive for us. To overbelieve, we have to understand God fills you through faith. Joy and peace in believing. Well, what is joy? Well, it's what you think it is. It's, it's a sense of well-being. It's gladness. But remember, your joy cannot be anchored in anything that can be pulled out of your hand. If your joy is anchored in anything that you can lose, let's just call that happiness. Because happiness comes and goes and it's circumstantial. Joy cannot be pulled from you. It's yours, like your name. It's yours. It belongs to you. So God gives us a joy that cannot be lost because he cannot be lost. And peace, well, that's just not being at war. Not being at war with God, not being at war with self. It's just, it's just peace. It's a lack of conflict. So God fills us with these through 
faith. Um, so what does it mean to believe? It's complete confidence in God. Complete confidence. So let's go back to the airplane analogy. If you get on an airplane and you are absolutely confident this thing's landing in Chicago, you're like, yeah, I've done it a million times. Obviously, we're going to land. There's no chance that it's ever going to crash. Now, that's not actually true, but for, right? We know machine, airplanes are machine and machine breaks sometimes. But the point is, practically speaking, you're going to get to Chicago. When that happens, when you have that kind of confidence in the outcome, again, you can experience joy, you can, you can relax and enjoy the flight, and you can experience peace. You're not holding on. You're not wishing that this thing didn't crash. You're not wishing that you're on the ground. You can relax and enjoy the process and enjoy the flight. That's a lot like what God is saying here. When you have absolute confidence in God, when you're believing, when you're continuing to grasp on to the promises that God gives you, it opens doors for you to enjoy what God has for you. It opens doors for you to not live in conflict, both with God and others, that you cannot have any other way. Faith does that for you, and God fills you with joy and peace through faith. Think of all the things that we overbelieve in all the time. I'm a sucker, like, for the weatherman. I, I always believe what the weatherman says, within reason. So sometimes he says it's going to snow, and you walk out, and it's not. But you do that, right? You overbelieve that all the time. You overbelieve in your abilities. You will tell yourself that. I can do this. I will get that, you know what, I will get that project done next Friday. I promise you that. Boom, gone. You know it's not going to happen. They know it's not going to happen too. But you overbelieve yourself all the time. Overbelieve, overbelieve things. You overbelieve that money can fix problems. You overbelieve that God loves you because of your behavior. And when it doesn't sustain, you will pull back from him. So we are called to overbelieve the power of the gospel, that God truly does love you, and he gives himself to you. So we're to overhope and overbelieve. When we do that, it's, in, it's inevitable. You will start to overflow with this. This joy and this peace that God gives you as a gift, as you trust him, will begin to overflow out of your life in greater and greater ways. Um, hope, the best way to understand hope is to experience it. When it comes to the type of hope that God gives you, here's how you experience his hope. You experience it in his presence. Because the hope that God has for you is that he will never ever leave you never forsake you, that you will belong to him. This is all relational language. So if you never have any kind of proximity to God, um, you're going to have a hard time experiencing hope. Um, let me just read to you Romans 14, 17. It explains kind of a roundabout way um, what I'm talking about. It says, For the kingdom of God, presence of God, is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So, as the text says, the Holy Spirit enables you as a believer, as you open your life up, as you surrender to him, as you trust him, 
the Spirit of God, Holy Spirit, very personal, help you, will help you in real time to experience the blessings of God's kingdom right now as you live and breathe today, right now. The Spirit of God does that. The Holy Spirit is the personal presence of God. And as the text says, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we abound in hope. So step one, to overflow in this, um, we have to have fellowship with the Holy Spirit. We have to be seeking to be filled by the Holy Spirit. We have to be seeking to not grieve the Holy Spirit. A lot of times people say, I I just feel distant from God. And I get that. There are seasons when you have that. But if you are not in communication loop with God, if there's no prayer, if there's no reading, um, or if there's a sin in your life that you know about, and you're just like, well, you know, I'll just deal with that later. It, remember, this is a relationship with God. You cannot grieve the Holy Spirit and imagine that God's just cool with that. Yeah, we'll work on that later. No, it's a relationship. So we don't want to grieve the Spirit of God. We want to be ready to receive all that the Spirit of God gives us that we might abound in hope, overflow in it. Uh, so what does it mean to abound in hope? It just means that you're obscenely rich. That word abound is just excessive richness. That you have so much hope. You have so much available to you, it's just almost obscene. It's it's excessive. It's almost unnecessary that you would have that much hope available to you. Um, I have a friend who's a professional musician, and he, um, I would go over to his house. He's got 25 guitars in his basement on the wall. Not because he bought them. Just, I mean, companies like Fender, they just send him stuff. Uh, he has promotional contracts with Sennheiser, and he has so much stuff. And I like to play a little bit. And he would just like, hey, do you want one of those? I'm like, yeah. He, he, and he's kind, right? And so he'll give me guitar strings or he'll give me something. Or he gave me a Sennheiser headset for a professional one for the airplane. It, he's so nice, right? He it just overflows out of his life because he has more than he could ever use. A company send him stuff all the time. And it just overflows out of his life to those people that he likes and loves. That's really what we're talking about here. As we understand how much God loves us, as we overhope, as we overbelieve, this begins to become more real to us and it will overflow out of our life. Overflow. God is yours. And here's the truth of this benediction. When it comes to other people experiencing who God is, to having any kind of hope, you're the evidence. When God's hope overflows out of your life, you make, well, not you make, you are evidence to the world that they should place their hope in God. You're it. As we trust him, as we hold on to his promises, as we are public with our faith, as we don't pull back, and hide Jesus. Your evidence, you are the evidence that this world should put their hope in the living God. That's part of what the benediction is. God empowers us to do that. Overflow in faith. Um, Samuel Rutherford, he's a uh, 17th century pastor. He, I happened to come across a quote of his this week. And it kind of applied to this. He said, 
I'm hoping to overhope and overbelieve my troubles away this year. There's a lot of things that you can overdo this year. Make it this. Make it this. Work hard to overhope in God. Let that be your default. To overbelieve his promises, to seek his presence, to seek joy and peace through faith. To, to want to experience that. To have fellowship with the Spirit of God and with his people and with his word. Work to get that. Because God has worked for your righteousness. Receive that. Receive that. Um, this might have been a dark year for you. Or you might have a rough year coming up. There's a path for forward here. You just need to understand that. Jesus has opened this up for us. This is why there is power there. And this benediction sends us out as the tangible evidence for the world to hope in God. That's our call. So as we close 2019, it's almost done. Listen to these words. Listen to what God gives us. Listen to God's word for you. May the God of hope, not just God, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. How? In believing. So that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. In hope. That's our call. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much. This is a word we need. We need to hear this from you. We need to believe this. Would you help us, Lord, from the smallest little one here to the oldest one here, would you help us, Lord, to over-hope in you this year, to over-believe in everything that you've given us, over-believe in your word, and to overflow, Lord, with hope, so much so that it becomes evidence for others to place their hope in you. So we lift all this up, Lord, in your holy name, and we thank you. And we lift this up in the name of Jesus, who makes not only all of this possible, but is the one who is to return. So we lift this up in his name. Amen.